We're starting a new series today in the Gospel of Luke. And uh, as I do, um, I ask my wife to come and pray when we start a new series. I'll ask Pastor Mel to come and pray for us. Let's pray, church. Um, <coughs> sorry. Father God, we commit this uh, Luke series into your hands. And um, yeah, just as we go through the, uh, the Gospel of Luke, Lord, I pray that you will deeply convict us of um, who Jesus is, what Jesus has done for us, and how we are in need of mercy and how your mercy is limitless. Lord, I pray that that revelation will be just um, renewed um, and enlightened and deepened um, in our hearts, our minds, and our souls, that we will uh, live through this series and we will come out, Lord, um, changed um, and more in love with you and, and to have a deeper understanding of what it means to believe in the gospel of Jesus. Um, and um, yeah, and how that looks in our lives. Lord, we pray for special anointing on Pastor Steve as he preaches uh, faithfully through your word. We pray that you will use him um, to uh, speak to your people um, and to bring truth um, and light into our lives. Uh, we commit this series into your hands and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Luke chapter 1, verse 1 to 4. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were witness, eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. This is how the Gospel of Luke begins. Now, let's, uh, let's do a little bit of background. Uh, the Gospel of Luke uh, is written by a guy called Luke. Well done. Well done. Wow. Change your life right there. The Gospel of Luke, one of the, the, one of the cool things about the Gospel of Luke is the Gospel of Luke is only half of a letter. The other half of the letter is actually the book of Acts that we see, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then the book of Acts. And so the guy Luke wrote Luke, and then he wrote Acts. But he didn't really write them separately. They're, they're just one chunk, but it's been split into two. Um, the guy, uh, what do we know about Luke? Uh, we know that Luke wasn't a, a, an, an apostle. He wasn't a disciple of Jesus but he was a traveling companion of the Apostle Paul. Um, so when Paul went on his missionary trips to the different churches, Luke was with him. So, you know, he would have seen what's going on. The other thing that we know about Luke is that he was a medical doctor. Um, so the, the one thing that you take from that is that he was quite intelligent. Um, you know, we, we talk about, you know, Jesus' disciples like the fishermen. Like, they're not intelligent. Fishermen weren't intelligent. They were just laborers, pretty much. But to, obviously, to be a medical doctor, you, you don't want the same hands that are, you know, putting fish hooks on to be, you know, getting into your guts and stuff like that, right? So, so we know that he was educated. And the other thing that we find is that he was very detailed, out of all the four Gospels, all the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospel of Luke gives us the most detail about the life of 
Jesus. Now, Luke writes this gospel to draw, literally says, to draw an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those uh, who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Luke carefully investigated, right? Luke didn't just go, this is what I think Jesus did. This is what I think Jesus is. But he carefully investigated, talked to other disciples. Think about it. He was with Paul. So he would have met the other disciples. He would have talked to people that would have seen Jesus. He would have talked to people that would have experienced Jesus. And he puts it all together in a very orderly account. And what we're going to find is, as I said, it's very detailed. If you read the Gospel of Mark, Mark is like just a run-and-gun gospel. It's like this happened, and then this happened, and this happened, and this happened. Whereas Luke's like, this happened, and dot point, dot point, dot point. Right? So, so Luke is writing this account for a person. Uh, and, and, the, and the recipient is a person called Theophilus. What we know about Theophilus, not too much. He's most likely not a Jew. Uh, so he's most likely a, a Gentile, but he's most likely someone that is a little bit more powerful and has a bit of status in society, or there wouldn't really be a reason to write this. Uh, Luke wouldn't have written this to him. What's the subject of his writing? Why does, what's the orderly account about? It's about Jesus. It's about who Jesus is. It's about where did Jesus come from. It's about why did Jesus come. What did he do? If you're new to the church, you're going to find out very quickly that we are all about Jesus. Everything that we do is about Jesus. And so it's a great opportunity for us to take some time, dedicated time over the next, I think it's like 10 weeks till Easter, and really look at who Jesus is through the Gospel of Luke. And what we're going to be challenged with is at the end of the series, or even every, at the end of every sermon, is not, what did you learn about Jesus? See, I think sometimes we, we, we're asking the wrong question. It's not, what did you learn about Jesus? But the question, the most important question is, do you know him? Not, do you know of him? But do you know him personally? Our goal through this series is to go through the careful investigation of who Jesus is, not to just teach you about Jesus, but to show you that he is the only God worth following and for you to make that decision. I've titled this series, There's Something About Jesus. Because there is. There's something about Jesus that makes him stand apart from every other human being in this world. And so over the next 10 weeks, I hope that you're ready and open to find out about who this Jesus is. But not only who he is, but who he is to me. Is that good? Are you ready? If you're, if you're ready, say, I'm ready. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm ready. All right. Having a baby is no easy feat. So I've been told. 
I've had to sit. Now, how do I say this without offending every mum? Pass. Okay. (laughs) Having a baby is, is, you know, horrendous. And you get all different types of stories about it and whatnot. I just, but but the thing about having a baby is, right, every baby is, is a miracle. Scientifically, it's actually very difficult. If, if you look at the stats, to actually fall pregnant and, and, and go through your 10 months and then have a baby, is, is, is the stats are crazy, right? Each kid is a miracle. Now, I just want to show you some, I just want to share some real, like, beyond miracle stories, right? Number one, um, this is a family. Now, I don't even know what their names are, right? This family was ready to go to the hospital right? Because that's where you have a baby. They were ready to go to the hospital and the husband went out and started the car and by the time he came back into the house, the baby was coming. And so in the living room, the husband helped the wife deliver the baby in the living room, right? And then the ambulance came, right? Now, I know that sounds crazy. I've heard stories like this. Like I know a guy, they were on the way to the hospital and the wife was like, they were like three minutes away and the wife was like, stop the car now. And so he pulls over onto the street. He gets out of the car. He runs around to the other side, opens the door and the wife is holding the baby. (laughs) Right? It happens, right? Our first baby, Chris, we nearly had Chris on the Pacific Highway. Why did we nearly have Chris on Epping Road and the Pacific Highway? Because his dad didn't want to pay the M2 Lane Cove toll. (laughs) And since then has never let go of that miracle. All right, here's another one. Baby two. No, no, that's not baby two. Go to the other baby. That baby. 0.3 kilograms. This baby, normally babies take 40 weeks. This one came out at 23 weeks. 0.3 kilograms. That's the dad's hand. The thing about babies at this, this age is they don't have everything yet. Not everything is formed. So actually to survive is a miracle. This baby had to stay in the hospital from that day another nine months of observation and making sure that everything was there. And after nine months, was allowed to go home. That is a miracle. Let's go. This is, a, this is, a, this is my favorite one. The baby on this side is a normal three to four kilo average baby. The baby on this side is Akbar Rizudan, born in Indonesia. Born, our church, right? We have a lot of babies, right? The, the, the record of our church is a four, I think it was like 4.05 kilogram baby, Millie, Tony's baby, Right? It used to be Alex at 3.9 kilos, but Millie, 4.05. We, we're actually going to put a trophy together, and every time someone breaks that record, right? 
Akbar was born 8.7. William, William, right? Yeah, William, my, my last son. He is like 11 months old, 10 months old. He's 10 kilo now. Normal? Akbar. Obviously not a natural birth. They had to cut the stomach open, right? Absolute miracle that not only did the baby survive, but the mum survived. 8.7 kilo. Crazy. One more. No photo. How about this for a miracle? A baby that was born even though the mum and the dad never had sex. Right? No IVF, no test tube, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is where Luke starts the story of Jesus, the birth of Jesus. And I know that Christmas just passed, and you're like, Steve, Christmas was two months ago. And I'm like, yeah, but in the series, that's where it starts. My, my preaching is determined by the Bible, not by what day of the year it is. What I want to show you today, we're going to talk about Christmas, right? I want to show you, I want you to understand the magnitude and the miracle of the actual birth of Jesus. Even though we look at it every year, Christmas, I want you to see it through the miracle lenses, okay? Luke chapter 1, 26 to 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this... I love this question. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One uh, to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be to me. Uh, to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Right? We read this story every Christmas. But I think the, pro- the problem is because we read it every Christmas, I think we lose the magnitude of what the actual story is. Four things tonight about the birth of Jesus, who Jesus is. Number one, the girl was a virgin. I don't know how, it's hard to explain this with my year nine son in the room as well. But, you know, he's in year nine. He's, he does health at school. He should know this by now. Can I tell you, if that's not a miracle, what's a miracle? Like, my wife is very fertile. Like, probably one of the most fertile women in the world. Six billion people, she'd be up there. Right? But not even my wife can do that. 
she can't get pregnant just, you know, looking at the sky, right? She looks at me and she gets pregnant. That's the problem, right? Some kinetic energy. Biologically, it is impossible for a virgin to get pregnant. Now, you've got to understand, Mary would have been 11, 12, 13 years old. We're not talking, you know, like, you know, 30-year-old mums kind of thing, right? Teenager. And you've got to love Mary's response, right? This angel, like, you'd be freaked out if an angel turned up to start off with, okay? Now, because, you know, when we, when we talk about angels, we like Christmas angels. We like the little fluffy angels, we're like little clouds underneath their wings and things like that. But you know, like when, when you talk to people that have studied a little bit about angels, they reckon angels are about four meters big. They're massive and they're ugly creatures, right? supposedly. Just read this somewhere. Right? An angel turns up, you're going to be freaked out. And then an angel turns up to a virgin girl, 13, and goes, you're going to get pregnant and you're going to have the Son of God. And Mary goes, hmm, how will this be? I am still a virgin. <laughs> Great question, Mary. Great question. And the, Holy, and the angel responds, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And Mary goes, ah, right. That's logical. Yes, I was thinking that. No way, right? See, I want you to understand. I want you to hear this from not a Christmas perspective. I want you to hear this from a biological perspective. It doesn't make sense. It's impossible. But that's why the birth of Jesus is a miracle, because it is physically impossible. It's biologically impossible for what happened. Second thing that we know is the, who the baby would be. Not only was the pregnancy idea a crazy idea from the angel, but the angel tells Mary who this baby was going to be. Verse 31, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Not only is the, the virgin going to have a baby, the baby is going to be the son of God. Who? The son of God. Like as if Mary wasn't freaked out already but the fact that she was going to have a baby, the baby was going to be God. Now, there is no baby in this world that has that claim on their life. Like I know parents love their kids and you know, you, want, you think that your kid's going to be special, you know, and I know, you know, it's, it's a great thing, you know, not... You know, your parent, if, if you have kids, you should be like, yeah, my kid's going to be special. But you know what? Can I just tell you something? If every kid is special, no one's special. Just, just telling you that, right? No baby in this world has ever had that claim. Hey, honey, you're going to give birth to the Son of God. No one. This is a miracle. Third thing that we see is the actual birth. This is Luke chapter 2 now, verse 4 to 7. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time uh, came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. The third thing that we understand, so we know this bit, right? 
You know, there, there was no, you know, hotel, there was no inn, so they, they literally, they're in a barn and then they put him, you know, baby's born and then they put him in, you know, where the cows eat and stuff, right? We know this part, right? But literally, it's like giving birth in the car park of the hospital and, 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 and having the baby nursed in a Telstra phone booth. That's the closest I got modern terms, right? It's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But the shocking thing about the actual birth of Jesus is not just the birth, but it's actually where the baby was born, the town of Bethlehem. Why? Why was this significant? The town of Bethlehem is a nothing town. It's a nothing town. But why the town of Bethlehem was significant was because a hundred, hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus, a prophet in the Old Testament, Micah, actually prophesied that it was in this city that the ruler of Israel would be born, Micah 5.2. But you, Bethlehem Ephraim, Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for, for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. It's freaky. Right? Micah prophesied that the king would be born in Bethlehem. And as I said, Bethlehem is a nothing town. I thought about it, right? What would the equivalent of a Bethlehem be in in our city. It's not like a Sydney. It's not like a Melbourne. Do you know what it is? It's a Deniston. <laughs> For those that don't know, Deniston, right, is the station between Eastwood and West Ride. Not every train stops there. <laughs> right? Like, I, I remember once, as a joke, we got off at Deniston. And then we had to wait 30 minutes for the next train to come. We watched four trains go past us. Bethlehem was a nothing town, but what makes it special and miraculous is that hundreds of years ago, God used a prophet to say, actually, the ruler will be born right there, and then it happened. Freaky, miraculous. Finally, the response. We see angels turn up to a bunch of shepherds with the news that a baby is born. These angels, they just turn up, verse 13 in chapter 2, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now, I don't know, like having a kid is a very big deal, but I don't know, I have not heard of any story in a hospital where the baby was born and a choir of angels turned up and started singing hallelujah because the baby was born at Royal North Shore. Okay, there is no, like, I know your kid's special, but there is, that never happened. The response, remember, the response, right? When, when the royal family have a baby, it's a big deal. That's probably the closest it gets, right? Like, it's on tabloids, it's on newspapers, you know, they make stamps, you know, they, not, not that we use stamps, but they make stamps dedicated to the newborn, Right? But when Jesus was born, angels turned up to sing hallelujah. Right? So that's the first one. As I said, you know, my kids got an applause. You know, my wife got an applause, you know, got a hug, you know. But not only the angels, but you get these uneducated shepherds, right, who get told of the birth of Jesus. They're like, hey, let's go see, hey, let's go see if this really happened. Yeah, okay, let's go see if this really happened. So they go, and it's like, Right there, just as they were told. And they were so overwhelmed that it says in verse 20, the shepherds returned 
glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. To respond in that manner to a baby that you didn't even know, a stranger's baby is pretty crazy. The story of the birth of Jesus is one of the most told stories every year, right? Every Christmas we hear this. You know, this year Christmas in December, the kids, I'm just flagging this now, they're going to reenact it. It's going to be super cute. Start working on it now. <laughs> right? And now because we have more kids, they don't have to multitask. Like the sheep doesn't suddenly have to become Joseph and, you know, things like that, right? We can, they can have one role each, right? <laughs> but I think because we hear this story so often, what we do is, what we tend to forget is the magnitude and the absolute insane nature of what the story actually is. If you heard this story for the very first time, a virgin had a baby, angels appeared, shepherds appeared, this is the son of God, you would think you are crazy. But it's exactly what it is. It is crazy. It's miraculous. There is not a story like the birth of Jesus there is no other birth, no single human born ever in humanity has the story like the birth of Jesus. There is not a birth that was foretold. There is not a birth that had such an impact in all of humanity. There's not a baby that was born that had so much expectation. And there's not a baby that has ever been born that would be the son of God. It's not just a Christmas story. And that's what I want you to hear today. Because I think we've watered it down a lot. We've made it quite cute. You know, we made it warm and fuzzy. But I want, you to, I want you to hear the miraculous nature. I want you to hear the crazy. I want you to hear how scandalous this story is. And yet, this is the beginning of the story of Jesus on earth. Now, why is this important for us now? Right? It's like, yeah, great story, crazy, miraculous, amazing. Right? There's three things that we need to take home. Number one, we need to put the awe back into this story. The awe means the Open your mouth, your, your jaw drops, and you actually can't say anything because of what you see or have heard is just that crazy. You know, some people, they have that moment when they're on the top of a mountain, right? People, some people have that when they just, you know, they see sunrise or sunset, right? These, these awesome, like we use the words awesome so much that it's not even awesome anymore, right? But there are moments like that. Like, when, like, going back to ba babies, right? When you have a kid, that moment when you first meet your child is phenomenal, right? It's phenomenal. There's really not too many other experiences in life, right, that have that awe. 
But we need to bring that all back into the story of Jesus. And it's because it's not just a cute story about, oh, look, uh, you know, Virgin Mary had a baby. No, Virgin Mary had a baby, man. That's crazy. We need to bring the all back. Uh, Secondly, uh, we need to understand uh, that the, the miracle of Jesus affects who we are. And what do I mean by this? As Christians, we worship Jesus. We're saved by Jesus. He died on the cross for us. And we're going to get to all of that throughout this series. But what we need to understand is that the God that we worship isn't just a God. Not just a story, a fairy tale, story time God. But this is who we're worshiping. The miraculous God. Like, Jesus started like that. Jesus started hundreds of years ago. The story is told hundreds of years ago of the birth of the Savior, of the Messiah. And who we worship on a Sunday, who we gather around, right? And we're talking about gather, right? Our theme this year, gathered and scattered, right? Who we gather around as a church, around Jesus, is a miraculous being. There is no one on earth like Jesus. And you're going to see this over and over throughout this series of who Jesus is and what he's done. But it's amazing. And and, and once again, we go back to point one. We need to take back the awe of this crazy idea of who we actually are here to worship and gather around. It's not just some religious obligation or duty. But it's literally the greatest miracle of all time. Finally, we need to work out in context where Jesus fits in our life. And this is what I keep, I'm going to keep pushing this point. It is not enough for you to know about Jesus. I had a wedding yesterday, and, and I'm telling you, when they get married, right? Oh, no, so we'll use Ansley. Ansley got married. I had two weddings this week. Oh, busy week this week. It is not enough for Ansley to be married to Eileen and just get to know more about Eileen. Ah, Eileen likes flowers. Ah, Eileen likes Chinese food. Ah, Eileen likes... When I throw out the rubbish. Ah, Eileen doesn't like when I don't throw out the rubbish. Ah, Eileen gets angry when I do dumb, stupid things. You know, like, it's that does not build their relationship or marriage at all. Because everything that Ansley learned could be written in a book, it's not facts. If your relationship with God and his son Jesus is about facts, then you are, you are learning about him, but you are not building any personal relationship with him. And there is a huge difference. Can I tell you, God does not want you to know just about him. He didn't give us the scriptures so that we could learn about who God is. But God gave us those scriptures so that you could know Him personally. 
He wants relationship with each and every one of us. There's a huge difference. Can I tell you, and whether you're here, whether you're online, it is not enough. It is not enough for you to just learn facts about God, about who God is, about what He did, about who Jesus is and what He did. It's not enough because I tell you, facts will not change your life. But relationship will. Huge difference. And I want to challenge you as we finish today. Is your relationship with Jesus just about the facts? Because if it's just about the facts, then all you're going to do is oblige to those facts. You're just going to do religious duty. You're not going to have personal relationship. And at the end of the day, your life will not be changed. But this is God. When you have a personal relationship with God through His Son, Jesus, everything changes. It has to change. Ansley got married on Thursday. His life is about to change. He doesn't know it. He thinks he does. I love talking to people that are just about to get married. They all get excited. I'm really excited. I'm really excited. And I'm sure. And I'm like, I'm sure you are. Enjoy. But I will be here to help you later. (laughs) You know, like you can't get married. You can't make that commitment. You can't make vows with a person and say, hey, I want to marry you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to commit myself to you and not change. No, you change. Everything changes. And the quicker you change, the happier you will be and your marriage will be. I'm just telling you that, right? The slower you change, it's going to be tough. You can't be in a relationship with God and not change. It's impossible. It's impossible. You cannot make a decision like, I'm going to believe in God and I'm going to believe in his son because of what he's done for me and not change. And, and, and can I tell you, this may sound a slightly offensive, so I'll just tell you that part first. Okay, please don't be offended. But if you are, then please speak to Pastor James afterwards. If you're saying to me, that you're a Christian. And if you're saying to me that you believe in God, and if you're saying to me that you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sin and that you are saved because of his blood and that you're going to follow Jesus and yet your life is no different from the day before, then I think you really need to have a good think about what the decision it is that you have made or maybe actually not have made i would love to not offend you i would love to to tell you that this is the 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 christmas story is nice and fuzzy and look as long as you just enjoy church coming and hanging out please if i was to do that i would not be doing my job and i would not be being faithful to god's word the reality is this it's not enough for you to know about god You've got to know him personally. And if you don't have that relationship with him, then I want to encourage you because you are missing out. It's seriously the difference between someone telling you how good you know, this donut is, how good it is, how much calories it has, how good the sprinkles are, look at the food, the coloring, look at the colors, and look how amazing the world's greatest donut Versus taking that donut and shoving it down your mouth. That's the difference. 
You can know about God or you can know God, but if you know God, you can taste God. That's the difference. So as we start the the Gospel of Luke, let's take back the awe. Let's take back the story and realize how insane the birth of Jesus actually is and to recognize that is who Jesus is. He is the miracle birth. Let's pray.